Kermit the Frog? Yeah, that is my Kermit the Frog. That's the only. It's not, it's not bad. That's the only thing I can do for Kermit the Frog. I go. I really don't know what I've gotten myself into. The best. Oh, you. Oh, you know. You know. It's all good. So, welcome to Overdrinks <laughs> live. And in my uh, in my dining room edition, first one of these <laughs> Can ever we say live. If we're not like live broadcasting or like it's live to us, it's live to us. We're in the same room, uh, IRL in real life. Yes, I'm shocked you know that. Yikes! <laughs> Hashtag IRL. Um, so. Uh, I am I am joined, as you can probably already tell, uh, by Andrew Martin Smith and Jamie Lee Sampson, who are yay in Athens. Yes, we are. <laughs> Ohio, not Greece. Right. We haven't even started drinking yet. I know. Do you know Mark Applebaum's pre-composition? Totally. Yeah, this is starting to feel like that. <laughs> Why? He's the weird, obnoxious voice. Oh that yeah, you and I are going to be judgy about. We could we could totally do a live like recreation of that piece and stuff, right? Just, I, I think am we not doing in. physical modeling right. of a chicken. <laughs> it's eight channel tape. <laughs> I think if we do any more, we might get into copyright issues. That's but, pretty. But what about like a really big theremin? Yeah, or, or how many samples? <laughs> Is this like a Mozart sample question? <laughs> I think if Mozart were working today, today, he would know how How many many samples samples? his piece of music was. We are off to, I was going to say a a great start, a questionable start could work. But okay, so we're we're actually in the same room together. That is only, this is only the third time that's ever happened. I know. Yet, like... I think we're pretty good friends, despite that fact. I think we're great friends. Yeah. Maybe because of that fact. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> because because, no, the, because the more you spend time in close proximity to me, I think the the, <laughs> the more you understand Jamie's plight. I think that's, that's fair to say. <laughs> See, I was going to contradict him, but I just don't think I can. <laughs> so, um, since we are all in the same room together, and since... Uh, it's an overdrinks. I thought what we could do is do uh, because every time we do this, <laughs> you're gonna bring it up. Well, no. Every time we do this, we all have different things, right? Yeah. Yeah. We've never had the same thing to get like a reaction from everyone. You know, <laughs> like different different taste buds uh, mm-hmm. experiencing different thing or the same thing. Yeah. You know, different perceptions. So what I thought we would do <laughs> is I have I I went out and I bought six things today, and uh, we're gonna split them between us. Things being beer. Things be well. Things there is beers. there is one um, hard cider. Okay. I was gonna say Fair. I think Fair some enough. of this tests the limits of it really what, does. what Rob would consider beer. Really, <laughs> really <laughs> tests the limits. I think I think he's just working to obliterate the hashtag bad beer Andy tonight by teaching Andrew <laughs> what drinking's I'm, like as an adult. I'm gonna get schooled. Here we go. <laughs> Pretty <laughs> much. I hope so. Scolded last week for your <laughs> drinking habits. So. <laughs> okay. Well, we won't bring that up but mm-hmm. <laughs> so um we have we have uh you know we have a pick pick your own six beer uh six pack here so we're uh these are the these are the choices 
Should we, should I go through them all now or just like? I think you should bring them out just one at a time. One at a time, and it should be you shouldn't even tell us really, or or you, well, you should. I'm gonna have to tell. We're you. gonna have to exactly, but I mean, I mean, uh, you shouldn't give us any heads up as to the order. I think that, okay. that's yeah. fair enough. Well, we're gonna start off with uh, the Deschutes uh, Black Butte Porter. Mm, is it a butte? It is a butte. This is one of my favorites, actually. <laughs> so, oh, I didn't get the the sound of the. Oh well. <laughs> I British. suppose I have we some could, more opportunities. You have a couple more opportunities. Or you it looks could like. fix it in post. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he, he plans yeah. on working as little as possible on post production <laughs> for this. <laughs> we haven't started We're already yet. Already throwing cups. You you think I do way more editing than I do? Well, <laughs> I'm giving that illusion to our listeners. I think our listeners totally know. Totally got away with it. Oh. Do, you need more? Do you want more? <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't. I think you. For the yep. for those who don't uh, have the pleasure of witnessing Rob's uh, uh, spatial re- spatial <laughs> relationship, <laughs> take some from Andrew too. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Here, here. Oh, well, pour it. How's that? That's How's great. That, that, okay. I love what's just Cheers, okay. friends. Cheers. Cheer, cheers. Oh, do we clink? It, it, can we? Can we? I love. I love that plastic. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it tastes oh, like beer. It does. It uh, it does taste like beer. With a hint of soy sauce. <laughs> with a hint of soy sauce. Yeah. I mean, I can understand where she's coming from there. I think. What? Mm. I'm not getting the soy sauce. I'm getting mostly soy sauce. <laughs> oh my god! You you wanted to be, people's opinions. To be totally fair, and there are opinions, and we're not typically beer drinkers, so this is going to be hilarious whether we want it to be or not. <laughs> my challenge to Rob this morning was to find something that is labeled beer that I am willing to drink beyond the podcast. Right? Was that the stipulation? I think so. Okay. Yeah. All right. I mean, I don't know if I did that. The gauntlet is thrown. Hello. I, I think there's maybe one in here that you would enjoy. I would. Okay. So anyway. All right. So uh, Blackbeat Porter, not a, not a hit. Well, well now. It- but my face doesn't twitch when I drink it. And it normally does when I drink beer, which is why I don't oh. drink beer. Your face twitches? My face. I get this funny thing with my cheeks. It twitches. I might be allergic to hops. That's what I tell people who are really, really into beer and are offended that I am not. Okay. I mean, you know, when you said this morning that you weren't into hops, I was basically like, anymore, I'm not either. Like, I, before I went to China, I was all into IPAs. That's what I wanted to drink. That's all I drank. I was one of those guys. Hmm. And then I went to China, and the beer is terrible. And I stopped mm. drinking beer, and I started drinking whiskey almost exclusively. And I come back, and I tried an IPA, and I was like, "Ugh, this is horrible." What was I doing yeah. to myself this exactly. whole time? And when um, see, I had that reaction when I was sixteen, and it never stopped. Oh, all right. Uh, let's just say eighteen for now. <laughs> you were you were obviously in another country, clearly, clearly. I no, no right. yeah. <laughs> I mean the first the first drink I ever had was around that age. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. It's with it's with supervision. Exactly. Adults. And Adult, sure adults adults of supervision. <laughs> I'm trying to throw you. <laughs> anyway. Uh-huh. 
Okay. <laughs> I mean, so, I, I've had... Po- oh, sorry. You were saying something. You were in the middle of a story. No, I wasn't. Oh, I was? Weren't you? Beer. Anyway. China. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I guess... Well, yeah. Uh, yeah. because uh, when before we left, Kate was my wife, Kate, who... We might hear from later. I think I that would be important. That, that would yeah. happen. I mean, yeah. she does live here and everything. So, <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. And we are using the dining room table. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, my wife Kate was all about like dark beers. She liked stouts. She liked porters. She liked r- stuff that I had just no interest in before we went to China. And then, you know, she she had two children over there, so she kind of stopped drinking for large amounts of time. I shouldn't say kind of. She did stop drinking for large <laughs> amounts of time. <laughs> um, but uh, she comes back and she's all about IPAs. That's mm. all. It's so. Oh, that's that's changes. funny. We well, completely yeah. flipped. Yeah. Like it's weird now. So anyway. Well, my friend that got me hooked on, on Krabby's ginger beer. The, it's a mm. Scottish imported alcoholic ginger beer which i love uh she doesn't drink it anymore and it was like a pre-pregnancy post-pregnancy thing her taste changed yeah over the course of the and she she bought a pack of it and was like here you can have the rest i was like are you nuts <laughs> it's nine dollars for four of them you should at nine dollars <laughs> you should at least drink it for that <laughs> is my is my new york new york accent back it's getting there hmm. it's getting there what the way you just mocked my nine dollars. Oh, oh no, I was just like the. But expense. He, I think okay. it was all. Yeah, I oh, okay. think that was that was right. co- that was coming from a movie where it was nine dollar beer night. <laughs> that okay. was yeah, right. So sorry. Fair enough. Nope. Nope. I, I do monitor it very closely. Okay. Make sure that the high. Fair enough. Syracuse Central New York accent doesn't oh, come back. So nasally, I love it. Well, um, when I went to get the stuff for the podcast, when I went downstairs, I, I my Toledo accent came out. Oh, you know, I'm gonna go get this stuff for the podcast. <laughs> let's let's I do really, a podcast tonight. We lived in Toledo for two years. We didn't know that it relocated to Minnesota. <laughs> I don't know. I'm there. No, I mean, there, there is that's there, a real thing. There, it is. It is a legitimate thing. Like I'll I'll just give you the the best example that I have because I used to work for this uh, work this place in Toledo called Talent Track, but it, when I was living there, it was it was called Talent Track. Talent, talent, <laughs> talent track. Actually, um, one of uh, a podcast that I listen to right now that I kind of like is this one by Dax Shepard. He's from Detroit. Mm. Dax Shepard is Kristen Bell's husband. Yeah, they're they're both like film mm-hmm. people. Kristen Bell was. Um, Jamie has this look on her face. I know it. Yeah, you'll get there. Yep. Kristen. Oh, please don't tell me. Okay. Is she one of the Frozen characters? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> It was either um, that or she was on Jag, you know, 20 years ago. No. It was a different bell. I don't remember her name. Don't look at me. Okay. Well, anyway, he, he has <laughs> that. the rest of the night. <laughs> I mean, he, they have, obviously, they've lived in L.A. for a long time, but he still has the, the, that area of the world. Um, <laughs> I think Jamie's cheeks are going to start twitching. <laughs> All right. It was the sixth sip of beer. <laughs> Also, well, Rob's we'll already how- out, so you might want to start pouring me less. Okay, fair <laughs> because enough. Because you're a faster drinker than I am. I, I can grab the rest of that. That's uh, that's fine. Actually, as as porters go, and I've had porters mm-hmm. uh, uh, a number of times before. There's um, when I'm at Interlochen over the summers. Um, uh, occasionally, we'll have a little downtime, and we you know explore some of the fantastic things that are in the region. And there's a couple great uh, little breweries, and uh, you know, so so I've I've become a fan of some of them. Although this, 
has a little there's a little je ne sais quoi that I can't <laughs> I can't put my put my finger on. How's my beer? <laughs> my beer. Rob experience. and I just exchanged a look of shit. This is gonna be a long night. <laughs> well, we should we should also probably get to the actual topic. like what, like what we're talking about. I'll, like yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll here grab, you I'll take grab. that. Yeah, tr- okay. just we'll, I'll give her. Yeah, I like I wanted the toasted she wanted, cup anyways, or the oasted cup as the it oasted is. cup. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> okay. So so what the <laughs> hell are we talking about? I I was under the impression that we might. Since the three of us are uh, uh, teachers of composition, that we might want to talk about composition pedagogy. Now, that's a very broad kind of kind of topic. There's uh, many ways we could take that as the night progresses for a variety of reasons. Um, but I think uh, we had gotten into a, a conversation via Skype a mm-hmm. couple weeks ago, yeah. where we were we were kind of literally just kind of exchanging different types of uh, pedagogical techniques or different kind of compositional techniques. And it, it might be interesting just to kind of hash out some of that uh, for reals. Yeah. Okay. That's it, an edit point. It, well, <laughs> I don't know if it is, but but as the night progresses, I'm I'm basically staring across the table at Jamie, who has a tribble for all intents and purposes affixed to her microphone. I have a fluffy <laughs> on my microphone. <laughs> So you're well, not taking my stop saying stupid things face uh-uh. seriously because <laughs> I have a gigantic fuzzball next yes. to my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> so comp pedagogy. Yeah. Uh, you were you went somewhere. You were um, getting something, and I looked at Andrew, and I was like, "So we're drinking beer tonight, which I don't normally do, and I have to watch what I say because we're literally talking about." our students, or at least the way we approach <laughs> teaching our students. Abstract students. Abstractly. Yeah, a, a theoretical, yeah. metaphysical students. Something's going to slip here. <laughs> <laughs> Something's going <laughs> to... And now they're all hooked. The and magic of editing. Now they're all hooked. You're going to listen all the way to the end. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. Segway, is that a Darth Vader mask that I'm staring at? Yes, it is. Okay. I saw it 30 seconds into our stay here. That's and awesome. You missed it. This, I His have child per- was dressed in an Ewok, and there's a Darth Vader mask on the wall. All right. Did you see the, what they went as is for, uh, for Halloween? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was, oh, it was beautiful. Yeah. My my oldest Violet went as uh, Princess Leia. Princess Leia. With, with the hair. Yes. Now, did, uh, we haven't really hung out in the living room at all tonight, but... Um, we have uh, a Sonos. We we have a couple Sonos speakers, and they're mm. just they're just like little cubes, kind of. And um, the uh, Princess Leia wig <laughs> is currently on a Sonos speaker <laughs> out there. <laughs> oh man, your, your house is like a mix of of really excellent art and masks and photography and a thousand plants and then <laughs> and then it's like i don't think like, that's the number i don't i don't and think then that there is are the like number. hidden mickeys off. hidden mickeys only it's star wars yeah this yeah. is this is our oh, goal for nice. the rest of our stay oh here, to, to, to find them. all oh that's i like this goal <laughs> <laughs> so composition pedagogy yeah <laughs> well to just give this some context um Basically, like next semester, I'm teaching a class that I've never taught before. And um, I mean, obviously, I've never taught it before because it was basically handed to me as here, teach us special topics in in uh, post-tonal, uh, post-tonal theory. Yeah. So it's like, OK, I can do whatever I want. What do I want to do? And 
pretty much in the majority of the theory classes I've ever taught, I always want to bring in some sort of composition something into a theory class because basically like when I was taking theory, that's a, that's how I got so into composition because my theory teachers at, at Bowling Green included composition exercises mm-hmm. and you, you were allowed to be creative, you know, within a certain uh, set of rules. Right. But, you know, that's kind of what got me going in composition was a theory class. So I want to, you know, obviously I don't imagine that, the majority of students who are in theory classes are going to have that same experience, but I want to at least allow for that possibility to happen. And I, I mean, that's part one of why I think composition is so important in a theory class, but also part two is I think you learn the theory much better by reversing it. Oh yeah. And using it as a creative process. Mm-hmm. I, I mm-hmm. can't disagree with anything that you just said. Definitely. Although I do also make them teach it to one another sometimes, and that's okay, fine. I'm not talking loud enough. (laughs) Um, Now it looks like you have a triple mustache. (laughs) Well, I was feeling left out with all the beards in the room. (laughs) Just so our listeners know, mine is not all that impressive yet. Oh, come on. Leave it alone. All right. (laughs) Teaching it to one another. That's that's, um, teaching theory... Topics to one another is, is kind of the extent of what I've, when I, I think they've fully learned. Wow, it's just not, the sentence isn't happening. Actually, <sighs> I thought you were doing good there. Was I? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. When they teach it to each other. <clears throat> when yes. they teach it to each other. Because at some point um, in the past, however many years it has been since I took that theory class, I don't remember what my light bulb moment about the Neapolitan chord was. Mm-hmm. I don't remember going like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Because it was a while ago. But if they've had that moment and they can teach it to somebody else, they often right. are speaking the same language. They're at the same point in, in their learning. Mm-hmm. And it drives just a few of them crazy because they know it so well that they don't need to teach it to other people. And I see that in my teaching evaluations. Thank you. And <laughs> But other than that, you know, it, it actually livens up a class sometimes and uh and it makes sure that they know it it's the see one do one teach one idea mm-hmm. so you you learn it first and you maybe partially understand it you write one yeah and then you're able to teach that same thing to your peers mm-hmm. i think there's uh, was that okay so there's a there's a a number of studies that talk about the different ways you approach the learning process and how many different ways you connect to abstract concepts and the number of ways you connect actually creates different types of neural pathways, right, to Uh those specific ideas that you're learning. So that's one of the reasons why people say, you know, it's much better to physically take notes than to simply type on a keyboard just because the the gross motor movement of writing uh, actually ingrains that particular concept in a different way than the the tactile kind of typing at the keyboard mm-hmm. or or uh, you know uh, poking at the iPad or or or, or my favorite um, staring blankly and burning the information <laughs> through your retinas and hope that kind of sticks. Um, everyone has a skill. Everyone, it's very it's it's very true. It's very true. But but this this idea of 
see it, learn it in that context. Do it, you have that that context. But then then the you never really know someone something until you teach it, right? That mm-hmm. whole kind of concept where you no, know, you have to not only know how you do it, but you have to explain it in a way that another human being who doesn't have your same is not coming at it from necessarily mm-hmm. the same perspective. You have to translate it, right? right? So that you can make it real for them. Obviously, it's been a long time since I uh, even even thought about this. Or I mean, it's not not that I, I have thought about it, but I, the <laughs> name is escaping me. Um, I remember studying something in my um, uh, in preparation for comprehensive exams. Like I think it's Gardner's theory of multiple intelligences or something like that. Yeah, it, it's it's escaping me as well. But I mean, I do have a computer right in oh front of man. me. Oh man, I, I see, I, I see Google, I see it. Gardner's, see, yeah, Gardner's theory of multiple intelligences. <laughs> Nailed <at> it. <laughs> so now, can you? But can you tell me what the multiple intelligences are? That's the. I, uh, I used to have an acronym for it. It didn't. It was an acronym that didn't make any sense because you know you can't make a, a full word with all the letters. But <laughs> it was essentially like obviously visual, oral, uh, kinesthetic, mm-hmm. um, interpersonal, intrapersonal, In- okay, um, and a couple others that I'm just not. Um, the kind of these different modes of learning. If you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, essentially like. That, that so is that what you were just talking about that that study is that kind of referencing that in in some in some ways yes um it's but it's it's more so it's not just about the different ways that people learn um it's actually cuz all of us have a preference for for one specific mode or another totally um, yeah. but if it's it's engaging in multiple modes that allows mm. you to get the kind of the the most complete understanding of a thing. Right. right. Um, now some of, some of your, some of your information is going to come like fr- uh, from your major sense, from whatever your, your favorite mode is. Mm-hmm. I'm a very visual person. Me too. Actually, yeah. many musicians are, uh, Which but is it, weird, but well, it, 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 actually, it, what I was going to say is weird is that, that you have a hard time visualizing some things that are just explained to you. And so I don't think of you as visual because no, well, that's the thing, because when you're explaining something to me, I'm trying, I am trying to visual, I am trying to make that from <laughs> mm. the aural, but I'm not good at that. Yeah, no, that but if, sense. but if I, man, if I see all of that, all of those hexachordal arrays on paper, oh, I know I exactly what's going on. I was actually thinking about the way on. we organize the living room, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Similar, yeah. Yeah, it. exactly. The same. Um, but but that idea of so so maybe you get a really strong understanding of a particular abstract concept through your eyes or through your ears or through movement, but engaging the other senses and the other styles only help to kind of reinforce. Uh, or fill in the gaps that maybe you missed from that primary sense, even if you got a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Okay, beer number two. <laughs> we should say that we're only drinking a third of a bottle each, yeah. right? We're, right? We we're end doing a flight. Up, we end up with drinking two beers over this entire thing. Great. Or a little bit less, because I'm me. Okay. <laughs> All right, this one. <laughs> Your house is built for tall people, by the way. My feet don't touch the floor. I know. <laughs> Just like sitting over here kicking <laughs> like a kid. Well, if you drinking look, beer. The, the table is on like uh, um, oh lifts oh, because it's on stilts. Yeah, because otherwise <laughs> I, I bang my knees into the, oh the like the skirt of the table. Sitting over here feeling like Alice in Wonderland, yeah. and I'm like, ah, what's wrong with okay. me? Okay, well, 
this uh, going to the other side of the six pack, you'll you'll notice there are two <laughs> there are two sides of the six pack here. Um, this is from Thirsty Dog Brewing Company, and it is a raspberry ale. Oh, you know you know we're playing to my favorite now. Yes, I do. <laughs> I am not excited about this, but I'm willing to try it to see see I, how your mind and taste buds work. That's right. Different style, different modes of appreciation and learning. <laughs> God, this doesn't look nice. You asked for it. <laughs> okay, even I'm going to admit that color is not natural. <laughs> it's really not. Okay. Could get some good Foley work going here. It has a, it has a very raspberry smell. I'm just going to... It is... As long as like, it's not like that one blueberry wine we I tried am, that was weird and had that a, was a okay sidebar blueberry wine <laughs> that has an aftertaste of bacon not cool. <laughs> <laughs> it was like after aftertaste about All ten. Right. Cheers. 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 That's disgusting. Oh man, I am what in love with do? this. I'm in love with this. Jamie's not sure. I'm, no, I'm sure. I'm just not sure what they did to, did to make do it this. raspberry. Well, I should also note that there, uh, obviously, this is Thirsty Dog Brewing Company, and there's a picture of a Dalmatian on, <laughs> with red spots eating raspberries from a dog bowl. Ale infused with natural raspberries. The inviting flavor and aroma of freshly picked raspberries is infused in this unique, refreshing fruit beer. Part of what's creepy about it is I really get raspberry, but it tastes like somebody put raspberry crystal light in a beer. No, no, yeah, yeah. That actually, that's a really good. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a wine is so much more predictable. Yeah. yeah, but this is more fun. I know. <laughs> I, I, I know. You can learn just as much from a negative example as you can from a positive example. Way to way to get it back onto composition pedagogy because <laughs> because I think that's a that's a that's one of the reasons why I think I we talk to our students about um, listening assignments. Yeah, right? and, me, yeah and me too. And. I always, uh, and I probably brought this up before. I don't. I don't care. Like the oh, I liked it. I didn't like it. That's the right. least interesting yeah. thing they could tell me. No, because yep. George Crumb really doesn't need you to like or dislike this. Yeah. Oh man, he's exactly. doing just fine. He's okay. <laughs> you could tell him to his face, and he'd be like, "Okay." <laughs> Actually, he'd probably be very sweet about it. Others would say, "Okay." Yeah. Um, or worse. Or worse. <laughs> I'm uh, gonna be one of those. Well, well I was gonna say for the, for those listeners who have been with the, the podcast for now, uh, by the time this comes out, over ninety episodes. Yeah, over right? ninety. Yeah. Uh, so for for those have, who have been following along, you know not to approach Jamie after concerts. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know whether we need to cover that again. <laughs> I don't. I don't have the uh, refer back to it. Uh, episodes, but if you look at our website now, you could probably find that. Oh, <laughs> because our, our website is now like episode searchable by like keywords and stuff. It is, yeah, and adjectives yeah. and yes. adjectives. Mm, yeah, so good. I had way too much fun. Doing, <laughs> I had way too much fun doing that. <laughs> Was that that must have been the um, minimalism serialism conversation, wasn't it? Was that it? Probably. I'm pretty sure. A lot came out in that one. Yeah, it did. Yeah. <laughs> that was another good overdrink. Was that an over? That was. It was overdrinks. 
Or was that no? That was a that was. I a, thought that was just a that was a round table. It was a round table, but there was we, drinking. There were, guys. I think there was drinking involved. Probably. I mean, <laughs> come on, <laughs> Rob, you were memorably yeah. over, over drinking it. I was over drinking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yes, to your to your point of of uh, learning. In some cases, more. I mean, I've found that I've learned more from pieces that I didn't like um, and not just about what not to do. That's the tongue in cheek thing. It's like, oh, yeah, I'll never do that. No, actually, there's there's some things about uh, any type of music, regardless of what the style is. If the the most vapid kind of pop things that I am not necessarily <laughs> aesthetically drawn to, I'm like. Did we talk about Beyonce in that minimalism episode? Vapid too? or but but <laughs> that's right. But we exa- can't, man, we probably no Beyonce. I think came up during. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. So vapid pop. <laughs> that, well, I there are there are layers to all kinds of music. You We're just, not calling Beyonce vapid pop, by the way. Yeah, I <laughs> thought I just said that. Um, <laughs> you may have. I've stopped, never mind. You stopped listening. Keep going. But keep you're going. still drinking the raspberry thing, which is funny. Um, so the the idea that you get if you if you look deep enough, regardless of what the type of music is or what your aesthetic biases are, um, you. <laughs> can find things that actually are really, really profound for your own music or or at least get you to think about your own music from a different vantage point. I agree. I also, I think for a lot of students, just getting over the hurdle of, I don't like this. And uh, am I willing to spend more time on something I don't like? Mm. That's a big hurdle for a lot of students, I feel like. I think once... Until I mean, obviously, until you get a bit older and you start realizing that like, not like, who cares? Hmm. You know, like, I, I mean, I There's tell the my difference between not like and will walk out of a concert for true. Let's let's it's let's... so offensive that you have to <laughs> let's draw that line. There have been the there are there's pieces I don't like and there are pieces that I have become like viscerally angry because I paid for a ticket. Mm, OK. Yeah. Have you ever had anyone walk out on your music? Not that I know of. Ooh, I have. Have you? <laughs> yeah. They were old. <laughs> yeah, it, so, uh, so you have a demographic that that, that or there's a clearly th- there's, there's, there's a threshold. There's but, there's a demographic that I don't have. Right. <laughs> that's, that's clear. <laughs> um. But yeah, I think just getting over that, you know, for for a lot of students is and and as teachers like how do we how do we instill in them that like whether you like it or not, that's not the most that that's not why you're doing this. Mm. Like if you like it, great, good for you. You had an enjoyable experience. If you didn't like it, well, sorry, but you're in school for a reason. You want to learn and this is part of it. Yeah, so that brings up an interesting question of of maybe what is it what is it that poses a hurdle, right? Like, so, so what is it, uh, what is it that's so difficult about getting past the initial kind of, um, I like it, I don't like it kind of instinctive response? I mean, part of it is, is forcing the issue. Your grade depends on you giving me an answer other than 
I like it. I dislike it. And once they get beyond that and they know the purpose of the exercise is not just to absorb this other piece because we, we don't require them to listen to these so that we can do a drop the needle test at the end of the semester on all of the pieces they've listened to. They don't have to have it memorized, but they do need to get technical information out of it at whatever level they're coming to this piece at. Right. Mm-hmm. And if they approach Brahms four, their freshman year, they're going to hear it differently than their senior year. Right. One would hope. One would hope. One would hope. One would hope. Okay. All right. <laughs> Let's say second year of graduate school, then if we need a little more distance, but um, I think it's, it's, for me, it's forcing the issue of, I, I don't care if like or dislike, what technical things did you think were most memorable about this piece, first of all. And I think it's, it's for most of my students, that that's the first thing that clicks, is what, it, what are the moments you remember the most? The timpani transition in Shostakovich 5 is, is one that I usually point them towards, because you can't forget it. Hmm. So, so then would you think the hurdle is, is one of, um, apathy is the wrong word, but one of, there's just like, it, it takes, it takes a level of, uh, effort to engage a different level of engagement than they've practiced in the past. And so your, your solution to that is kind of, uh, by force. If you will, kind it's of. it's it's a requirement, and it you're you're here's, forcing them to practice. Here's that. a good analogy. Okay. When I wanted to learn how to sing and play bassoon, I went and talked to a saxophone player, and he told me to learn how to scream while playing bassoon first. Hmm. And I said, "That sounds like a saxophone player." <laughs> it thing. is. <laughs> it is. But the idea of breaking this mechanism that you have have built, right? We want to play with good technique. To do that, we set up this this very stable structure week after week after week after week. To break that in a day to learn how to hum and play is not going to happen. You have to do something pretty drastic, and you have to force it to happen first. And then mm. you kind of scale back to mm. something that is more contained. Does that make sense? No, I think yeah. That, yeah, that's interesting. Okay. Because I think um, for... You know, for many young composers or students or whatever, the the hurdle is this. I'm not willing to go to where I need to go or it's it's either I'm not willing or I don't have that ability yet to right. go where you need to go to get something useful from from hmm. the piece I'm listening to. You know, and I, I I think it's a little bit of both, you know. Either I'm not willing because I get excited by the things I like mm-hmm. and that's what I want to put my energy in. Mm-hmm. So why would I put any energy in something I don't like? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Half that. And then the other the other part would be they don't really know. I mean, you could argue that like we don't know who we yeah. are as artists or composers still, <laughs> I know. I know. but at least we have a more, uh, well informed, a well informed idea of what that, what that might be, you know, and, but they, but they're coming at this from, you know, 
and and I think this probably has to do with the fact that so many people are are constantly talking about oh you have to develop your voice and we've talked about this before like the, mm, yeah. you know the comp- the quote unquote compositional voice your voice has to be so distinct and so um <laughs> whatever from everyone else and so that's maybe that's mm-hmm. maybe what they have and they're like well if this is not contributing to my voice then it's useless <laughs> There was a tweet about that recently. Oh, really? Yeah. About about um, teachers forcing students out of their comfort zone and how some people know themselves well enough to just go study with the person who they know will get them to the point they want to get to. And, and, and my problem with that is because we become more well-informed by pushing ourselves or by having our teachers push us outside of our comfort zone there's there's so much more possibility. Mm-hmm. I didn't know I was going to write the music that I'm writing now when I was 18. Yeah. I thought I was going to be writing Disney music. Right. Every I think everyone starts that way. They yeah. they they start with the idea of like, oh this is what's being put in front of me mm-hmm. and this is my model, so that's what I want to do. I've actually had um I I've had you know, people come in and they're like, I want to, I want to do this or I want to do that. And I'm just like, Hey, pump the brakes a little bit. Mm -hmm. Why don't you just work on being a competent composer first Yep. Mm -hmm. instead of specializing right, right out of the gate. And I see, I'm seeing that more and more. And is it just because everyone's so like career minded that part of partially maybe. Um, but I also think that, and there's that idea that knowing more about the music that you're performing will somehow dilute your emo- the emotions that you put into it as a performer. <laughs> oh, the, yeah. Yeah, like I don't want to know the theory behind why this is flat too. I just want to put emotion into it. Right, mm-hmm. there's there's that. I think I think if you live only in your comfort zone, you aren't going to figure out the things that interest you. Right. That you couldn't have foreseen. And you might burn out faster. Oh, I think and that's you might burn that's out a faster. that's a significant danger. Yeah, I think that's a real strong danger because the the idea you're you're so fixated on this one thing that you don't realize that's actually a really shallow pool. Yeah, that, that yeah. one idea. There's not a lot of depth to, and I mean anything like mm. oh, integral serialism. No, that's that's a that's actually a pretty shallow we, pool. We right? found the the bottom of that one. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, any it's it's it regardless of style right unless unless you are willing to look deeper which often involves like getting outside of that and and the the most compelling art for me is the art that links things that seem to be stylistically or or just absolutely off the wall dissimilar but they find that one thread of continuity and you're like oh yeah. see you know this is exactly like rap no my music doesn't sound like that on the surface but underneath it all uh-huh. yeah no it's there and and you get a you feel it and that's the interesting thing about feeling because because just because I can't um maybe I don't have a vernacular or a vocabulary like a music theorist would it doesn't mean I necessarily don't know that, that I don't have a theory, that I don't have a working understanding of what it is that I'm doing. And it's the people that kind of walk around with blinders on 
and and kind of grope for their their voice, if you will, yeah. as if they're stumbling around the dark trying to find it as opposed to developing it. I think that's when it, it becomes just so frustrating uh, because you'll start to get into a rut. You're just going to do the same things over and over. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I've, I've talked about this on multiple episodes of like how right when i right when i got into china uh, to china i i came back for the charlotte new music festival and i had a lesson with um uh joel hoffman and i basically told him that exact thing i feel like i'm in a rut you know i wrote this big orchestra piece it was the um the culmination of like everything i was doing up until that point but i don't feel like I, I mean, I'm just using the same things over and over again. Mm -hmm. And I, something has got to change because I don't really like composition right now, Mm -hmm. you know? And I was at that burnout place Mm -hmm. and he, and, and that was the point where it was like, oh, here's something, you know, Mm. maybe, maybe you'll like it. Maybe you won't, but here's something, here's something completely outside Mm -hmm. of what you've been doing. And it's, it's the, it's, I guess it. In the student or in the composer, it's being willing to kind of just break yourself in order to put yourself back together in a new way. Yeah. That is that is kind of interesting. But I think that that having the um, like trusting that yeah. you can put yourself back together is hard. It's really hard. Well, because the the breaking part that even sounds scary, right? Yeah. That, well, and it's it's something I, I instinctually was like, we should you know, check this and say like in a healthy way, but there's, there's, because there's been so much going around about academia breaking, literally breaking people lately that it's, it's something that I want to guard. But on the other hand, you know, we, we just, before we started recording, talked about some stuff that happened over the center, uh, over the summer that just kind of broke me, but I'm in a very different composition place in a good way because Mm -hmm. of it. Yeah. I mean, those, it, well, it's, it's like anything else in the world. I mean, you, you, when you work out, you're physically breaking down your, yep. your mm-hmm. muscles to build them, yep. you know? Yeah. So it's it, like a little bit, <laughs> a little bit of pain goes a long <laughs> way into, I, I think there was some, uh, some saying about that at one point. And I think that's that yeah that's oh, how that's, that's, that's I think so we're good. time for our, it's time for our third beer. Um, <laughs> well, well, while you while you start to set that up first, what is this? This is a uh, vanilla Java Porter. Oh, I, I have we're a back feeling, to my side, I, but I there's vanilla in it, so I see I see what you're doing here, Rob. I see what you're doing with the with the. I still maintain this is our third beer. I mean, you guys should place bets on whether he's going to get me to like a beer by the end of the night. Um, I kind of doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, so no bets. <laughs> <laughs> so as as he's as he's doing the pour here, um, uh, there's there's something better at the three way pour. By it's, the way. Uh, it's looking good. It's, you're eyeballing it really well. I have um, too much. <laughs> <laughs> I want it to be fun. <laughs> Um, what, what we're talking about, we had mentioned briefly that, you know, uh, some people might think that, you know, we, or we might ourselves think that while we're, we're still at a a stage of the game that we, you know, we're not, we're not fully developed or we're Mm -hmm. not, we're still kind of finding our way as well. I, I honestly think most, most of the really good artists we look up to kind of feel that way throughout. I mean, we can, I think so. We can cite so many instances of, of great creative artists who are continually reinventing themselves. Right. Um, And, 
Uh, this is a fun little anecdote. Um, so when Stephen Stuckey came to Bowling Green uh, for the New Music Festival, <laughs> um, uh, he was with Michael Keane, who was my mentor at the time. Um, <laughs> you took a sip before us? You just, she you, did? No, oh. I didn't. I oh, you smelled it? And it, it, it actually made my eyes water, so I put it down. <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna put that down for a second too. So, um, so the the Stephen I'm kind of the, into this the the Stephen the Stephen Stuckey story. So uh, apparently, apparently, uh, it was overheard that Stuckey remarked, "You know, I I think, and this is uh, apparently what he said. Um, I think I'm finally understanding how to write, how to how to conceptualize and and realize paragraphs of music. Mm-hmm. And and my mentor at the time, Michael Keane, heard that and he's like. Well, if you're just getting around to paragraphs, I must be like working on sentences or something. And 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 when Michael told me that, I'm like, if you're working on sentences, I'm still trying to figure out what's a verb. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I I really do feel that regardless of where we are in quote unquote the game, it's it, we are all doing the same things on a different scale. Yeah, right. Definitely. It it really is. And so I feel like that's why there's so much synergy. Um, and many teachers say they learn just as much from their students uh-huh. uh, as their students learn from them in that process. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I took six, five, six years away from the academic setting to go work for symphonies and theaters and things like that. And, and it was when I came back that my composition motivation returned. In fact, I shouldn't say this in a publicly documented thing, but <laughs> when... When, when Cheers. we were when we were hired to go teach, I hadn't written much that year, and I think I completed maybe two pieces that year and one the following. Mm. And it wasn't until third year back in the swing of things with a schedule that made sense that I started cranking out pieces. But I was teaching techniques that I wasn't practicing, mm. and then there were a couple God. of of lessons or presentations that made me think about what I was doing differently and that motivated me to go, you know, practice my skills yeah. in pieces. Right. In works that I was, I was supposed to be finishing. And those were, I mean, like rough professional years because I wasn't, I wasn't like, there were a few commitments I didn't finish, which is always like, yeah. Guilt crippling, cripplingly, cripplingly, yes. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> like that doesn't do anything to help you finish more pieces. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I, there was a moment where I was like, you either got to get your stuff together and write or figure something else out to do because somebody's going to figure you out. It was like not imposter syndrome, it was flat out, <laughs> you're not doing enough of this. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers <laughs> to the drink that makes my eyes water. What is this? Did you drink coffee? Yeah. Are is uh, is there supposed to be coffee in that? Well, it's called Java. Oh, Java. That's right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was so bit. I was so distracted by the vanilla part of it, which see, I'm still tasting raspberry. <laughs> that's a problem for me. <laughs> we destroyed Rob's taste buds in yeah. one, oh, man. one bottle, one third man, of a bottle. One, one fruity beer and he's gone. <laughs> ah. Well. It's good. Um, yeah. I mean, so? I, I wouldn't like she- go pull it out of the fridge for myself, but if somebody uh-huh. handed it to me, I'd be like, sure, beer. Okay, so we're getting sure, better. Beer. 
<laughs> Getting better. Okay, I I don't like it, but as Jamie knows, I I will drink just about anything. So I'm it, yeah 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 we'll we'll go with this. But I think I think if uh, bad beer Andy is no longer a hashtag, the poor life choices Smith will still stick. I oh, think yeah. that's fair. Yep. Yeah. 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 Maybe this gets gets us talking a little bit about like us like assessment in composition, right? Because we're right. You sent that article. I I did. I, yeah. I looked. I I can't. I I won't say I read it, but I definitely looked at it for a while. <laughs> it was uh, since we took the scenic route to get here. It was a little difficult for me to read and and yeah. not become physically ill. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> I was driving a right. car. So, uh, but I had uh, uh, Daniel uh, Daniel Deutsch. Um, uh, wrote this article that uh, is in one of the music education journals, and and I can post that on our our uh, uh, the site when the podcast goes live. Um, but uh, but assessment in composition is a really intriguing thing, especially in an age when you know the rubric is starting to to rule all things yes. uh, again. And composition is a lot messy. It's not a little messy. It's it's a lot messy, and it's incredibly individual. Yeah, and so. Uh, how how do maybe how do we how do we go about the process of assessing young composers i mean that's yeah that's that's always been a tough question for me especially mm-hmm. when um it's not on a one on one uh you know so private, when you're doing like group lessons or, yeah, gr- or either group either thing. group lessons or, or or if there's a composition assignment, say for instance, in in every electro class mm-hmm. I ever teach, they always have to write something. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's just the way of it. Because if they're not writing something with the technology, then what the hell are you learning the technology for? Mm-hmm. You know, or at least ma- you know making something in some way. So I I always kind of struggle with that as to how am I supposed to assess this highly individualized, very idiosyncratic hmm. piece of work on anything other than it's just technical proficiency. Now in ele- in electronic music I think that's a little bit easier to separate. Yeah. Perhaps. Maybe maybe not. I don't know. Um because it's like oh well there's a click there, you have distortion there, you know, you didn't there's room noise at the end of this sample blah 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 blah. You, you know, actually all, didn't use the synthesizer and you should have uh, right, yeah, right. Yeah, mm-hmm. like all all of those things are are possible to to be graded. But I, th- I think you could say the same thing in, in just purely acoustic music, you know? Yep, the like, viola does not play that note. Right, yeah. the viola does not play that note. You didn't include <laughs> dynamics. The slur g- goes off into nowhere. Yeah. You know, like yeah. those kinds of things. But then, then so okay, so you have the, the technical stuff, which is mm-hmm. actually fairly easy to grade. Yep. You know, it's very obvious to us at this stage in the game, like what is right and what's quote unquote what's right and what's wrong Mm -hmm. but then you get to the you know the art of it how the hell do you grade art jamie wow (laughs) you you guys keep lobbing these like really heavy questions at me i'm sitting here thinking about how i can smell the beer from a foot and a half away. <laughs> Do you not want it? Because I'll drink it. Oh, I'm okay. I'm going to drink it right now. Uh, um, <laughs> progress. Oh. I grade on progress. Okay. And and um, and to some extent, effort, though it has to be like reflected in completion of projects. Um, mm, okay. But, but, you know, are you... Developing the skills that you 
learned this semester or last semester, you know, because the first piece uh-huh. you write after you learn something new is usually a hot mess, yeah. right? And, and we let them be the hot mess in that piece with that technique. Mm-hmm. But the next one that they write should be a little bit more organized. And so are you taking each one of those skills and enhancing it in your next pieces? Are you considering other parameters of music that are a weakness for you and trying to improve them consistently? That is typically how I assess. Now, this is this brings up an interesting thing that uh, might be fun to talk about because um, I'm I tr- I am in the process of trying to make myself a better composition pedagogue. And one thing that you do, Jamie, is something that probably is. Um, is something that I should do more of, and maybe a lot of us should do more of. I know you take really detailed notes on your <laughs> students' private lessons. Most semesters, yes. Yeah, and <laughs> and but but the fact that you're talking about this kind of this large scale trajectory yeah. where you can kind of track progress and 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 you you really you literally do like yeah. from lesson to lesson, but also from piece to piece, you have kind of a, a slew of of notes that you make on each one of these yeah. things. All right, so students this semester don't just. Ignore that he said that. We're going to talk about something I did last year. (laughs) (laughs) Now, this this semester has been a little weird. Yeah, I do create a cover sheet for each one of them with what, you know, like mini lessons I've taught them on, you know, what is a melody? How do we work through that? Have they written their melodies, done cell development from it? Use that to generate a prime line, uh, had a counterpoint lesson, had a Mm. harmonic you know, deriving harmony from their prime line lesson. And I kind of have a set number of mini lessons that I teach on those things. They should be getting them in other courses as well, Mm -hmm. but they should be getting something specifically from me in each one of those topics. Now, if they come to me as a junior, I spend less time on melody and counterpoint because they should have gone through all of that. But I do spend probably a significant amount of time on developing their harmonic skills. So many of them come in writing melodies or fragments of melodies they are awesome they're all fantastic at writing the openings of pieces that are not committed to doing anything (laughs) yeah (laughs) or that end too quickly or that end too quickly yes they're excellent at writing antecedent phrases without any consequent phrases Mm -hmm. and so that's the first sometimes half a semester Mm. sometimes a full semester and i let them take their own pace through that jungle because melodic good melodic writing and i'm not talking tonal melodic writing i'm just talking good melodic writing yeah using um, broad generalization there is yeah. never a point in my life where i haven't thought that that is a skill that doesn't need to be any further developed in my own writing so why not take a few weeks with an undergraduate and focus on that for a while um the other things i track are you know are they working towards performances of their music Are they working towards getting their music out beyond campus, Um, which isn't essential for every single student? But if they write a piece that's that's organized and can be put together, there's no reason that their you know saxophone miniatures can't go on and win competitions as as a freshman, Mm -hmm. and that happened last year. Mm -hmm. So uh, so yeah, that's what the notes are for: is to make sure that I remember who's writing what. So if I see an opening like the saxophone quartet Mm -hmm. thing, I can say. This fits you. Go do this. Um, I also have a couple of open door hours, probably once a month, where they can come in and just freak out over finale notation and <laughs> and score production in my office. And it is a freak out. And sometimes it's a full hour long freak out for one person. Like, 
but how do I staple it? And I say, we're going to take that once you turn it into a booklet. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Step by step. Step yeah. by step. I mean, yeah. the, the cover sheet, is that, are you kind of getting that from your performance background? Um, actually, yeah, sort of. Uh, Actually, the weekly notes are yeah. something I got from the from right. the performance background because students holding a bassoon typically can't take notes for themselves. Right. And I had one student who um, was a decent player, but he was involved in so many things that he would forget by the time he got back to his bassoon after his lesson. It could have been three, four days. Mm-hmm. And he had forgotten everything I talked about during lessons. So while he played, I took notes on, you know, for this etude, you need to work on slurring this way to the high G. Oh, you don't know this fingering. There's already a fingering chart built into the worksheet. So I can just fill it in and show you what note it is. Mm-hmm. Um, comp students, you know, they have their hands are, are free during lessons. They can take their own notes. So I'm less of a stickler about, about that for them. And most of them do take notes during my lessons. Um, I, most of them. And then the cover sheet or the weekly sheets for me are, God, what do I cover? Did they do both of their listenings? What I've assigned them for next week? Um, what composition we mostly talked about? And do that? I give them any side exercises like you know, go write a chord progression, a simultaneity progression. Mm-hmm. You, like just. Not involved in your project. Just write something that moves. Must have a moving root line. Must have a melody that or a, a soprano line that has a shape, mm-hmm. a convincing shape. Mm-hmm. Do that in addition to what you're working on in your piece. And often those are, you know, designed to strengthen something, some yeah. weakness within their piece. I mean, I <clears throat> at the very beginning of last year, I started taking notes on mm-hmm. lessons but i just it has gone away at some point you know i i guess it's just i need to i would like to get back into that habit because it's nice to be able to look back you know a, a lot of my lessons start out with all right what are we doing this week yeah oh you know? and that's such a typical question yeah. I, I like oh i'm many of my teachers are like okay what do you have for me you know yeah. And, yeah. and it's and it's not uh well, there's nine of them in my studio right now yeah. right now and yeah I think four of them were working on string quartets at the beginning of the year because right. we have a call for a reading session coming up. Yeah. And then magically, three other ones fell into a pattern of all writing for oboe, clarinet, and bassoon, which <laughs> I had just happened to finish, you know, like uh-huh. a piece and of that. And so they kept coming in with these similar pieces. And I'm like, who are you? <laughs> what language are we speaking? And 15 minutes into their lesson, I'd finally get what, where we were last week. And that's just not okay for me as a teacher. <laughs> I want to I wanna go back to one thing you said about like the first thing they write with the technique is usually a hot mess. And I'm wondering, yeah. hmm, I'm wondering how you feel about this, about like, you know, sometimes with some of my students, like I say, like I'll give some advice, like, uh, look, the player's just not going to be able to do that. Okay. Yep. And then I see, you know, next week and it's still in there and I say it again. And then the next week I say it, I see it in there, you know, they yeah. left it in again. That's and not what certain, I mean. <laughs> well, no, 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 but, I know. But, and yeah, I'm but, to, yeah, totally. But, but, but yeah, this is kind of branching off. Okay. The, yeah. Just the hot mess idea. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but at, how do you guys feel about at certain points, like letting experience be the teacher, letting the students just fail in the, like they, they get into a performance situation and their piece just doesn't work. And I'm you okay as the teacher yeah. know it's not going to work, but it's like, look, I, one of them proved you're... me wrong three weeks ago. Really? Yeah. With one of those moments. It wasn't a range thing though. Range, range. I just, you know, 
I, I will say, you don't sure, know. We're yeah. fixing this. Right. Um, Those things. But there are like, very few times when I'm I'm like that about, you know, like writing a sudden change to a fast 9-8 from a 4-4 four, four for a string quartet. And I'm talking <laughs> specifically about a piece where I congratulated him for proving me wrong. Right. So if he's listening, then, you know, he proved me wrong. Right. Um. But just, I, I yeah. guess, just like abstractly, how do you, how do you feel about that? Because I know there are some people that, like, they they would look at that like, oh, you're letting them fail. You're almost forcing them to fail. You horrible person. <laughs> <laughs> you know. But but at the same time, experience is such a a good teacher, right? Yeah. And and um, the idea that uh, uh, ex- the experience that a person has is a very visceral one. Like we were talking at the beginning of the different modes of learning, right? I mean, some people aren't really truly going to learn it until they feel it, right? Until they, until they actually experience that. It's one of my favorite C's for mitigating choice overload, concretize, right? To actually make it real for you. Mm -hmm. And some people just aren't going to truly learn until they've had the experience. And so you can, you can give them all the prep work. You can give them all of the benefit of your, uh, your experiences. Right. Right. But it doesn't, it still becomes, it's still an abstract, Oh, that's your problem. Or that, that was your experience until they really feel it themselves they don't know what that's truly like. And then, then they know really quickly whether or not it worked or it doesn't work for, for that particular purpose. So no, I don't, I don't think uh, a pedagogue who chooses that particular type of technique um, is a horrible person. I think there's a nice little balance we can create in the, in the hollowed halls of academia. It's a safe space Uh uh, legitimately where we can monitor exactly what types of risks our students are taking um, so that when they get out into quote unquote, the real world, uh, they don't have to learn some of those harsher lessons in front of a professional orchestra, for example. Yeah. 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 That, I mean, that hurts significantly more. That, yeah. that could <laughs> yeah. end careers. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I, I like, I think part of it stems from the A, B, C or D problem we have in high schools right now. The, the desire for every student to get an A on everything and therefore yeah. there are only limited options for correctness is actually doing a lot of harm to creativity. Mm. Yeah. And so, you know, we, I, I see it as part of my mission as a teacher to break them out of that. There are no absolutely wrong answers unless you're asking a viola to, viola to play the cello range. Um, but yeah, that's a heck of a score to tour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> those, but, those are just like there wobbly. Are, there are very few musical things, not technical things, but musical things you can do so absolutely incorrectly that you can't recover from it. So why not let them experiment with that mm-hmm. and and really, yeah, figure out what it it feels like. I also, you know, felt horribly crippled by the we learned this before we don't want to let you learn how to make your own mistakes right yeah i think that's bullshit yeah mistakes <laughs> mistakes are the best the, way to yeah, learn yeah exactly yeah it's just that the how do i want to say this i am still drinking this beer okay well <laughs> slowly but i'm drinking we're, it. Okay. we're teeing up the next one i know one, i know, so. I know. 
Um, uh, conventional wisdom? Is this where you're going? Like the conventional thought or the, is that, is that the wrong no, word? No, okay. it's where I'm going is that there is such concern for like the, fe- the feelings of, you know, if you're letting, if you're letting someone fail, you know, <laughs> that failure, or if you're letting them make a mistake or you're not, or you're trying to not have them make mistakes because of you know trying to protect them in some way i guess i got my next point from a parenting book uh well i was going to bring up the fact that you you <laughs> we are we, jamie and i are not parents but you no, certainly yes, are yeah so you right so but. um uh, okay. oh i'm gonna forget his name adam grant i believe is his name is one of my favorite authors of like they're not really business books. They're like fantastic statistical books about where we are in the grand scheme of the universe as Americans right now. Okay. Um, he shared this like a year ago, and I thought it was perfect for teaching. And he said, "This is." Uh, he said, "Leadership is like parenting, and there are two axes on this particular graph. the uh, The high end of one axis is supportive; the low end is unsupportive." Mm. Um, and then, um, the horizontal axis is demanding and undemanding. So the high end would obviously be demanding Mm -hmm. and, and the ideal form of parenting is yes, having high demands of expectations, expectations. expectations. Yeah. Yeah. But offering high support with that. Yeah. So yeah, if you're going to have a moment where your rehearsal falls apart, I'm also going to be there Mm -hmm. and I'm going to be sitting next to you saying, okay. This isn't going the way you want, but why don't you tell the violist one thing and the violinist this point, and we're going to get through this performance and we're going to talk about it next week. Yeah, I think that right there is the is the crucial like linchpin to this yeah. whole argument is like, do you do you allow your student the opportunity to fail, which it truly is the opportunity uh-huh. to have that learning experience and just let them completely go it alone or are you standing, are you right, standing them? right or next to them, right? Oh, like yeah. wherever, like whatever yeah. this analogy is, are you there with them to offer them to the support that you most likely know they're going to need in that moment, a, a way for you to show them out of the problem yeah. that you knew they could have avoided. Like, like there, there's, there's things associated with that that could be. I uh, also tell them about my own failures mm-hmm. and I'm not shy about it. Yeah. I do yeah. that too. <laughs> yeah. Again, another learning opportunity, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. But you you had some hemming and hawing over here. I want to go back. I want to go back to the hemming and hawing. Because be, are you, are you a throw them in the deep end of the pool and I'm going to grab lunch kind of guy? Is that is that, <laughs> is that how Violet will learn to swim? <laughs> See, children are different than students. It's, it's very, no, it's very, it's well, yes and no. So I, I, <laughs> I love my children. <laughs> um. Not that, anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I think it's, I, here, here's the thing. I don't want, I want them, I, I want to give them the opportunity to fail, mm-hmm. but I also want to give them the opportunity to fix it themselves. Oh yeah. So it's like where, and, and I'll just use analogies from my kids sure. because so like uh you know violet would be riding on a scooter or something and she would biff mm-hmm. and i like in china and this is this is just a cultural difference that mm-hmm. we witnessed there in china the uh 
the instinct of the parent yeah. is to be right there, mm. to be right there to pick them back up, to dust them off, and to kind of show the rest of the you know community that oh I'm a good parent. I'm a good parent. Yeah. You okay. Yeah. I think that's right. the main motivation of it. Okay. But we, on the other hand, would be twenty yard, you know, mm-hmm. however far away, watching her. Right. And, you know, when she falls off and starts crying and looks back to us, we're there. But. Right. But I'm not going to be there to pick her up. Like, she still has to figure out how to get up on her own. I'm not going to walk over. Like, I want to give her that opportunity to try and fix it herself. Mm-hmm. And if, it, if, it, if she's just not, if that's not within her on that particular day, after having given her that opportunity... Okay. Yep. That's where the support comes in. Yeah. So yeah. I think maybe yeah. I should I should clarify because I'm not. My example was like I'm hovering over my students all the time. No, I'm home and eating dinner most of the nights. They have right. dress rehearsals. But if I know a piece is going poorly, uh huh, and they need and they don't it. know how to get themselves out of it, my God, I'm there. Okay. Well, yeah. And and to to be honest, I would I would actually be physically in the hall, but at the same time, it's one of those things where I'm I'm highly Socratic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was waiting. That one's a See, good. He one. kept saying six beers, and the can was hiding. I was like, "There's only five. <laughs> We're well, totally no, no. only going through five. All right, uh, finish your point, and then I'll introduce well, the spirit. The the the, uh, the idea that you have um, it is comforting to know that there is someone there, right? It is comforting to know that if you find yourself unable to figure out the solution, you have a place to turn, right? And so, no, I won't necessarily offer up the answer freely. And in most cases, I'll be very Socratic about it. Right. right. Yeah. So, so, so that, again, I am helping them get themselves to the answer. I'm not helping them by giving them the answer. Right. That's no fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, of course. And that's not helpful. The next beer is <laughs> Rheingeis. Which is a Cincinnati beer. It is called Wowie. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that was not planned. That that has that has an aroma to it. It is an ale with pineapple and passion fruit. It smells like candy. <laughs> so this I, is obviously yeah, on the other side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cheers. Cheers. Sour patch kids. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I could drink all of this. That's not beer. <laughs> wow, really gets you like back in the back back in the the cheeks. Excuse me while I down this entire thing. You can have mine. <laughs> I just don't I, I don't get you, your your taste buds. I drink wine. <laughs> yeah, most beers are not wine. <laughs> no. <laughs> True story. Um, but man, Rob, you get me. <laughs> I get you really well, apparently. <laughs> Terrible. Well, and this is also to, okay. So, 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 going back to this too, I am also not a warm and fuzzy teacher, and and I me neither. I have said that before yeah. on podcasts, but I feel it particularly important today to say I am not a mothering character. I am still, you know, among the few women composers. In academia, we're growing, but but also, you know, like, I'm not going to find your sweatshirt and chase after you after class. This is not the thing. And there has been a whole grand total of one time where a student has been so distraught, they've walked up to me and opened their arms for a hug, and it was totally instinctual, and I was like, okay, kiddo. 
you know, like I will give you a hug, but like, that's not my relationship with my comp students. I do not Mm -hmm. baby them. Right. This is support in a not (laughs) that way. Yeah. Yeah. And even then the student a week later was like, I hugged you last week. Was that weird? I was like, it was fine. You needed it. And like, I get it. I get it. I've been there. I'm not typically, I need hugs too. I don't do it at school. (laughs) I think. I've got a guy for that. (laughs) Actually, Annie Nykirk gives better hugs than Andrew does. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Annie. Um, the, uh, uh, I, I think going back to that kind of axis you were talking about, yeah. the, 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 I see that face you're making. This is good <laughs> <It's> beer. Terrible. <laughs> this is not beer. This is good juice. <laughs> Still think it's hit. Smells like it, it's almost, oh. it reminds me so much of like a, um, there's this, of this, like a sparkling well, it's, something. It's, it's like there's a cider element to that. I know it's no. not cider, yeah, it, but it, there's a cidery element. It to It reminds this. me of champagne, and I hate champagne. No, not champagne either. There's a specific candy, and it's going to come to me. There is okay. a very specific candy. So as you're thinking of that, um, I, I'm I'm thinking about the the most detrimental part of that that chart, right? Which mm-hmm. is the high expectation, low support, right? <laughs> when yes, when you I when know. you have when you have um, you know, you you have those demands and expectations of your students and you give the air of wanting them to succeed, but you do not provide them a mechanism by which they can learn. Right. That becomes debilitating. Yeah. Yeah. Have you Agreed. figured it out? Have you figured it out yet? Have you figured it out? What candy? No. What candy? It is very pineapple-y. Like... I don't really have a good sense of what passion fruit tastes like, but I'm See, getting I'm, pineapple. I'm actually a lot. getting more of the passion fruit. Okay. Yeah, because I um it uh, oh you know what it tastes like? It tastes like the pineapple juice that we used to buy in China from the mm. um the the European store. No. Oh. Yeah, it tastes like almost European ex- store. Well, that's Sorry. what it was. It was no, called I the don't. Euromart. <laughs> I just couldn't come up with the name in the moment. That's funny. Yeah, it's almost exactly like that that pineapple juice without obviously without the fizz, you know. Did did you did you order this rainstorm? There is a, it's December and it's a thunderstorm. Well, luckily these mics can't really pick it up, so awesome. nobody else knows what we're talking. about. Oh, cool. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, I don't know what this reminds me of, but it's not beer. Correct. <laughs> it is tasty. That's what it is. You can uh, have mine. Hashtag <laughs> bad beer. Bad beer, Andy. Andy. That's right. <laughs> Um, it lives. <laughs> so I, I guess I, in, in assessing composers, I think it is very individual. I think it is, uh, it's never a one size fits all, but I also think that, that, uh, multiple modes of assessment, this, and this is probably true of every discipline or, or should be true of every, mm-hmm. every discipline, multiple modes of assessment are, um, probably more appropriate and conducing to a true learning environment where you are allowing students the opportunity to demonstrate the skills they've acquired 
over the course of whatever time period they've been studying. Uh, so in a lot of my coursework and a lot of my individual lessons, you know, there are things that are uh, quantitative. There are those yeah. nuts and bolts that are, you no, know, that's obviously not right. And this is obviously, yeah, quote unquote, right, correct. Um, and then there are those little more nebulous, undefinable uh, uh qualitative kind of assessments that are all built in and it's the it's the balance of those different types of assessment that ultimately result in the final grade quote unquote yeah yeah i think for us it's you know part of their grade is out of the control of the individual teacher oh and that i like a lot about what we, we do, do at group juries at the end of every semester and the jury mm. grade is what I can't remember. Uh, so with the with the group jury grading, uh, a significant portion of the students' grade comes from the individual teacher, which is which is probably uh, the most proper way to do that because they have the most intimate knowledge and have worked with that student for fifteen or sixteen weeks. So they have the the lay of the land of how the student is progressing, and in that is two components. There's a component that is their lesson activity, what pieces they've been writing, the progress on those pieces, have they been getting performances, and their listening component as well as uh, a presentation uh, that they give to the comp forum. And that's the significant bulk of the grade. But the cool part is... That's actually the stuff I was going to explain. You just took it. Oh, I thought you were going to explain no. the last part. The other, the other part is that, that because we grade as a group, um, the, the composition jury element of it takes, uh, takes the weight off the individual teacher. If things are going uh, poorly and we need to give them a lower grade, it often happens in the jury portion of their grade mm, yeah and so it's not feeling like the student can no longer trust their primary teacher especially because they study with us for a whole year mm -hmm. um and it's and you know it's often not a secret if they're struggling and they have a lower grade that reflects that it's 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 not a secret but at the same time it does take some of the pressure off so when they get back to uh lessons in january it's not an awkward thing yeah Mm -hmm. And that's quite helpful. I mean, it's a similar thing that we do in oral skills. Singing exams are graded by someone other than your primary teacher. So 20 to 25% of your grade is coming from somebody other than the person who stands in front of you week in, week out. And it's nice, too, because if we're talking about multiple modes of assessment, you're getting a, a teacher who works closely with you, assessing you on that particular vantage point from that perspective. Mm -hmm. But then so much of what we do as composers is and we get that weird hybrid thing, right? Are we theorists? Are we musicologists? Yeah. Are we performers, right? Uh, and, you know, performers are evaluated on what? performances like can you do your stuff in the heat of the moment and so for a composer like your jury presentation like that's that's your performance like show us what you got and you get graded from people who haven't worked with you they don't see everything that's gone in the background they just see the finished product yeah they don't really week to week struggle exactly and so they evaluate on a blind kind of without any any background information on that how it came to be they just see the product and they say okay this is this is what this is yeah. from my yeah. perspective that i mean it's really possible nice. as a single teacher to do that as well you mm -hmm. know like the end of at the end of the not i mean he's squinting at me Rob's yeah because at this is this is my this, well, this is my situation you, right and i now. know that you're you teach yeah. you don't have the opportunity to have four people in a room right. doing this evaluation but what if you did take a you know a final element you yourself see how they do week to week, but what happens when you say, okay, you also need to present me with a final, you know, project for the semester, a final version of this, and you assess, you know, kind of 
Oh yeah, and I mean, a clean slate. Type or yeah, or, frame or, or right, right, or something, or like a like a final exercise. Like we've had teachers in the past who, you know, uh, there were there were no assignments in a in a course for the entire fifteen weeks, but there was one massive final project, and basically it was like, you know, you got you got credit for showing up and and you know being part of the discussion and whatnot, but but a bulk of your grade was okay. Show me show me that you understand what we've talked yeah. about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, those are fun too. <laughs> in a really like terrifying point of view from the student's perspective, but faculty perspective, that's a whole semester without grading. No. Okay. <laughs> that's really nice. That's really nice. I love how that came in the mode of assessment portion yeah. of this where it's yeah. like, no, we just ah, I don't want to we grade. just don't do that. Yeah. We just don't don't assess them. Yeah. <laughs> um one last thing about like the the way I break down, you know, my, me as an individual teacher assessing the students that study with me week in, week out. I also, um, if they finish a piece, even if they consider it a, you know, a lightweight piece, a not, this is what I've learned this semester piece, I'll let them submit the lighter weight piece for their jury, especially if they've spent two thirds of the semester struggling through a new concept. Mm, Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Because I know that they've done a lot of exploration uh, and and that they are experimenting constantly and they're maybe not showing me, you know, not every student comes in with six to eight pages of music a week. In fact, few of them do. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, if I have a student who comes in with half a line of music for mm. three weeks straight and it's not that I, I, I know this student is productive, they've proven that over the course of another semester, but they're trying something brand new. I want to let them do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You have to know them pretty well to let them do that, though. It's hard to be in a situation where, you know, it's your first semester working with them, and they're like, here's a half a line of music. And you're like, okay, buddy, here we go. Oh, man, that brings up an interesting kind of uh, avenue to explore because very often first semesters yeah. of of private study are just a giant like icebreaker getting to know you kind mm. kind of kind of mm. circumstance right so so me what are, <laughs> so rob what are, what are your tricks for 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 uh, like so what 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 typically happens from from your vantage point how do you how do you get to know a new student that's a great question your turn <laughs> <laughs> rob <laughs> I think we should open the nut. <laughs> First, Andrew has to finish the candy beer from Skittle Brow. Oh, can I have yours? I'll have yours. Yeah. Skittle oh, man, Brow. This is so, perfect. This is so good. Oh, <laughs> I mean, I, I just did this on a pretty major scale uh, last year. You know, I had. Pun intended? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Terrible. Don't give him any more beer. Wow. <laughs> Okay, you did this. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm a, I mean, I was, I'm a theory I, teacher too. I understand that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was coming in with what, like, eleven students, whereas it's my first semester on all of them at the same time. Right. Holy shit! This thunder <laughs> is crazy. Yeah, I hope you all heard that thunder because otherwise it was like, holy shit, eleven students. Okay. <laughs> oh, well, that's you. The house just shook. <laughs> anyway. Um, I change my answer? Yes, I brought the thunder. 
This podcast is getting good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I had a, I, you know, whatever the number was in that range of all new students all at the same time. Mm-hmm. And there were, there were definitely a few that it was very difficult to click with okay. right away. And I guess, you know, it was, it was just for me, I tend towards the professionalism first. Okay. You know, so it was like, I probably didn't help matters by like, I'm not really allowing you in to like know me. I'm trying to get to know you, but like, you're not going to learn, you're not going to get that much from me as a person right away. Okay. Because I'm, I'm, you know, it's a brand new job. I I need to protect myself uh, in, in all, in all ways. So, so I guess it was just uh, I knew that over time it would be it would kind of be okay. Mm-hmm. And to be perfectly honest, there were there were some in that group last year that they were composition majors, and then you know they kind of figured out like mostly freshmen. Uh, they came in as composition majors, and then they figured out what that means. And exactly. Like, yeah. That oh, happens. No. Yeah. This isn't what I want to do. And I'm I'm and I was just like, okay, that's fine. You know, like. <laughs> Do you have the people who are really concerned when they come into that last lesson where it's like, I, I think I want to change my major. And they're like, they have, they have this like hesitate. There's been occasions where people have come to there me. There are always tears. <laughs> <laughs> well, I actually just had one of those recently. Like someone who think I, I don't know if, uh, if they're going to do it or not, mm. but um, w- that conversation was at least started. And, and, but in that in that are you saying like well uh, well I think they just approach it with with such apprehension and in some in some, and I guess I should frame this um, they it seems like in some cases they think that you know they're they're letting you down like, like yeah. right and 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 it's always it's always fun fun maybe the wrong word I don't know yeah, it's, that's the wrong no, word no 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 wait for me to finish the whole thing uh, it might be. <laughs> It's it's heartening. How's that? It's heartening for okay. me to see the expression on their face when I say N- no. As a as a teacher, I'm I'm here for you. I'm, yeah. I'm here to help you figure out if this is what you can't not do. Right. right. If, if, yeah. I, if this is what you, I'm here for you. If this is not for you, I'm here for that too. I'm here to help you figure out where you need to be. Yeah. Your, right. My goals for you are what. Your, Your goals. goals are, yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. That's it, and there's and there's so much relief on their face yeah. when, right? They're like, right. I've been <laughs> stressing about this for weeks or something, right? Well, th- well, think about it. I mean, oh, was that? I can't tell if that's Hale or your wife. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> no, I think. <laughs> the, I think that is your wife. <laughs> oh. So I brought quick, the thunder. Quick, we, Kate we brought to, the hail. We, we need to. We need to vamp. Hello, you locked her out of your own home. (laughs) Good, how are you? We're we're doing quite well. My wife just entered the situation, so. Well, I I had, you were, hi, Kate. (laughs) Grab a beer. Yes. Get next to a microphone. Yes, by all means. Oh, total. Oh, man, totally. (laughs) 
Anyway, um, you were what were we saying? We we were talking about the the relief. Oh, the that, relief. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. And and to be honest, like in this particular field, mm-hmm. if this is not for you, you should figure it out early. Yes. Because it's 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 not a good thing to get you know to your senior recital and be like, eh, I don't really want to do this anymore. Mm. You know. Yeah. Or, or or whatever you know it's it's better to figure that out sooner rather than later and that's that's pretty much what I tell the kids it's like look if this is not for you that's fine right it doesn't have to be for you it and honestly if you're not like this is what I have to do it shouldn't be for you yeah it's too hard to go too far yeah into this if that's not your commitment level I think now yeah. now interestingly enough at the same time I think composition is one of those fields though where if you get quote unquote too far into it you're not past the point of no return um right. you you've spent a lot of time doing this yeah. but but composers uh as as a number of teachers have told me in the past they have to do everything like like you have to yeah. do a little bit of everything and it's always surprising to people when I tell them like how many how many composers there are in the world or people who have studied composition on some level um who are you know managing orchestras or Mm -hmm. or are part of artist management companies or you know curating uh uh uh, concerts or gallery owners or like just like what or they own they run ensembles like all right we're at we're at our last uh i'll drink this down <laughs> Finish it up, Rook. Ew. Oh my god, he did it. <laughs> We're at the, Ooh, that, the last that <clears throat> it is. <clears throat> We're at the last porter of the night. Uh another thirsty dog brewing company, the old leg humper, robust porter. That might not be okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's a dog. Yeah. <laughs> With women's legs and heels. Okay. Okay. Well, <laughs> but you only have to drink a little. <laughs> Another porter. And Poco. I wasn't talking about the beer. I was talking about their advertising, but whatever. Look, I can't control what I know. They advertise with. Woo. I wanna... No, no, we're just oh, gonna mix just... we're gonna mix all of that in there. Mix it all up. Do you like that? I don't like that. Well, <laughs> Everyone is entitled to their own opinions and tastes. <laughs> what more did we have to talk about? We're at an hour and a half. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know either. I mean, I mean, if we, you're here, we you're rambled a through a bunch. You ram- we, we, you, no, we, I rambled through a bunch. So I mean, and he's still doing it. <laughs> uh, cheers. Mm, cheers. Cheers. There's a lot more pineapple in there from the last one than I thought there would be. Yep. Didn't Rob warn you? That does not help this porter. <laughs> pineapple and porter? Yeah. Yikes. Okay. Yeah. I'm just going to... Not offensive. I mean, the picture on the cover is offensive, but... Okay. But the taste isn't? The taste is not bad. Oh, okay. I've now had enough to, like... It. You are unfazed. Whatever. <laughs> okay. We had talked at one point in time about tech, did we actually finish the I don't even know if we finished the last conversation because I think the question was was like how do you how do you get to know students Oh I'm yeah. not sure we actually finished that Oh yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> I was I was in the middle of that you were. when, you when, were. Kate, when yeah. Kate walked in Yeah um, 
Right. So we were talking. Well, we were talking about the people for whom they come in, and they're like, and they're, yes, they're like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. And it's like, okay, fine, go go do what you want to do, you know. But but especially since you you're coming at it from the the professionalism first that you had mentioned, right? And yeah. so and so how what types of things maybe do you do you do you go in there with a mindset, a specific set of techniques to try and unpack? Because it's hard to unpack a person, right? To to get to know them ridiculous i mean 15 weeks like 16 weeks Mm -hmm. whatever your semester schedule is Mm -hmm. that's i mean you you do a lot of unpacking if you only meet somebody 15 times to try and get to know who they are as a musician yeah i mean honestly i don't know if i have an answer for you because i'm i I mean it's okay i think i'm still trying to figure it out especially like for instance with with some particular students, like it just, it's very natural. You know, we, uh, th- this is the thing I was really missing in China. Like in China, I couldn't ever make a joke, you know? Because of the the, lang- be- the language barrier well, and the because cultural of, kind of Yeah, thing. I mean, the, my, obviously I'm older than them. So that that's one part, mm. you know? So my like pop culture references are sometimes you know, going way <laughs> over the head, but then the language barrier as well. So at least now it's just my age that is the deterrent. And honestly, with some of the students I have, that isn't a deterrent mm-hmm. because I, you know, we, we have the traditional, like, you, you know, the, the traditional age college students, but also we have some, some mm-hmm. college students that are, that are older or whatever. So yeah. it's like, so that I, th- I think that's probably the best techniques that I have is just to use humor and, mm. and, you know, like reference things like, Oh, this makes me think of this. Oh, you don't know that. Let's watch it together. Yeah. You know, like let, let's watch that clip or, or, or why did this make me think of that? You know, like, okay. Oh, you don't know this. How do you not know that? You know, just like try to keep it light. So, and you establish kind of some common ground or connection like, and, and you feel that gets the student maybe to open up in ways that they wouldn't have before. I think so. Yeah, I think so. Because if you're only ever talking about the work or the art, then it, you know, it gets pretty heavy pretty fast. Mm-hmm. But if you can kind of, if you can kind of lighten it up with something else. The other thing that I do is like what you said earlier, you know, I share about myself, my failures, stuff like that to just to let them know that, you know, this is, yeah, this is hard. Yeah. You know, it's, it's hard for all of us. Mm -hmm. Oh, you're leading by example. Isn't that, (laughs) isn't that important? Yeah. (laughs) No, it's true. Jamie, do you have any specific techniques or well, things that you? Well, I was gonna say that that like at the beginning of the semester, not specific. No, I kind of let us hang out in that professional land until they're ready to say, "I haven't trusted you until now," and and they don't. I've, they're never this forward about it, but like, I will call them out on you didn't trust me before this. This is the lesson where you learn just how much you can trust me. You're bsing this. Mm. You're gonna turn around. You're going to redo everything we've done this semester, mm, yeah. and and it's a shocking moment. But they come back in the next week, usually actually energized in a good way. Yeah, yeah. Because because like they know they put that wall up artificially, mm-hmm. and they know that I know it's been there the whole time. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, and so now just, they know you know that you I've know they know. Let it ride. <laughs> I've just let it ride, and then and then you know they start communicating differently. 
Hmm. But they need to trust me first. They can't just do that because of a couple of, you know, human moments that I have yeah. or or anything. They really need to get to the point where they're they are breaking over something. Yeah. Which is what we talked about before. And mm-hmm. and and they need me to get out of it. Yeah. Yeah. This I and this this is a this is a common thread that I'm seeing here. This idea, this element of trust. And so mm-hmm. and so this is a, a, because we are about to embark on a critique of something that is going to be very near and dear to them. In fact, some composers have a very hard time separating their work from themselves, right? Mm -hmm. And so if there's going to be a critique of the work, it inevitably for some people ends up being a critique, a critique, wow, uh, a critique of the self, right? Which that, that can fracture egos and we can get into whole kinds of discussions about that. But Rob, it seems your approach is to kind of uh, a lightness and a humor and a connection outside around you, you kind of circumvent the work so that you can kind of crack that and, and tap into it a little bit. And is that fair that, to say? I think so because that allows me later to mm-hmm. go to critique the work. Right. And hopefully it's separated from them. Right. Yeah. Because I mean, you've established a connection to them on something that is not simply what they've shown and yes. what they've shown you. Yeah, I think that that that's probably a technique that I try to use. And and uh, now it's interesting because you and Jamie are very different people, mm-hmm. physically, ideologically. Maybe I don't know. She I has just, a green hat on. She is she, and you have a green sweatshirt. I don't know where this conversation is going. <laughs> Um, she either. also has. You're gonna let him keep going. She has a triple attached to her microphone. We've established all these things that are that are, uh, are different between the two of you now. But but you approach it a little more. Um, I don't I don't necessarily want to say combatively, but that's the fr- like like you you talk you talk <laughs> you about know like me too well. You talk about breaking down the wall. You talk about yeah. like, like Rob talks about circumventing. Like yeah. getting around, and you talk about like confrontation, and I think it's really fascinating because about Rob, not confrontation between but, me and the student, no, no, no. but confronting the wall. Confronting it's like the, Julia yeah. Child with the knife and the duck. You know, right. you confront the duck with a knife. Correct. Yes. No. This is <laughs> wow. <laughs> profound, <laughs> profound things happening on this podcast. Um, but but let me let me paint the stage for those for those people who are listening and don't like know. Maybe they haven't taken a look at uh, the adjective website. They don't know. Like uh, Rob is a tower human being at like <laughs> eight foot twelve um, at least I think that's nine feet actually <laughs> um, and and Jamie is a fiery feisty like five foot six almost okay and so and that's, I was stretching it six. Uh, and so it's interesting that you have you have approaches that um Compliment with an E, not an I. Compliment your your. Fi- I get more witty with the with the beard. Um, I don't think that's what that laugh was uh, for. Okay. But but the idea here, you're you're both choosing strategies that are going to be um, not what the student necessarily expects, expect right? Us, yeah. Yeah. J- Jamie says, "I am not the mom." Yeah. Right. Yeah. And yeah. Rob's like, "No, I can be fun." I can yeah. I can yeah. not be crippling to your ego, yeah. right? And I think that's <laughs> I, I think it's really important that we we recognize this as pedagogues that we we often we have uh, 
a tendency to to come off as the the person or, or or when somebody walks into a room for the first time and meets us, they get that that initial visceral kind of impression, right? Yeah. Based on our physical appearance, for mm-hmm. for better or worse. And so we have to get around that a, but also get around whatever socio stereotype gender normative sort of thing is also inherent with what we're yeah. what we're doing, right? So we have our own self to worry about in how our students are perceiving us if we're going to actually connect with them. And so I think it's it's good to kind of reflect on like the techniques we have are not necessarily the techniques that are going to work for another teacher, Everybody, right? Yeah. 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 So so but it's also about like doing what you like what I am comfortable with as a teacher. Yeah. You Playing know? to your strength, so to speak. Yeah. And more allow- yeah. Pretty you, much yeah, because yeah. just like Jamie, I'm not going to be the um the you're over- not the mother. No. I'm, I'm, yeah. So I'm 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 not the He's overly not the like <laughs> dinosaurs <laughs> reference. Oh, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> because, <laughs> because like you, we are old too. Okay. Um, but I'm not going to be overly emotional or affectionate mm-hmm. or or whatever, you know, to the students. Like there have been times where the student comes in in that state and, you know, it's like I do, I, I am able to do what I can with what I feel comfortable with. But because I'm not you going have to empathy. Yeah. Right. Of course. Yeah. But that's not going to be something that I feature on a day to day basis. Mm-hmm. It's just not yeah. like we're we're there we're there to work and it's it's almost counterintuitive because we're working in it, like you said it, we're working in a, an arena where so much of this is tied to emotion yeah you know so, so and and maybe it's just my my particular personality that I just kind of want to step back from that no let's just talk about the work like, yeah let's just the, the work that's why we're here but. Um, Something I wanted to get to because you know we're talking about how do you how do you uh, gain the gain the trust you know mm-hmm. break down the wall and mm-hmm. get to that place where you can like you know really critique and something I you know one of the techniques that I have maybe not with undergrads but with graduate students I've found to be somewhat effective okay um, at least in the in you know the last couple of years or so is that. With uh, with a cup with a few of my grad students, I just keep pushing them. Like the piece is never done. Hmm. It's at ninety five percent. Yeah, I actually yeah. and the, yeah. if I don't think they listen to this, but if they do, they know <laughs> who I'm talking about. So, um, <laughs> but but like that was the case, and I've had some pretty candid conversations with those grad students about what that felt like because I, you know we would get to that point where it's like they think it's done. And I'm like, "Eh, no, you no, it's, Mm. you can do better than this. I Mm. know you can do better than this. Mm. And I'm not saying that particular sentence. That's that high expectation, by the way, for those keeping score. And yeah, (laughs) well, but this is, you can push this further. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The piece can not, you can be better, but the piece can, yes, be more completely realized. Yeah. But, they need to they need that practice for when they've graduated and you're not there every week pushing the next 5% and the next 5% and the next 5% and right yeah so wait i have wait I have, huh no 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 i th- wait 
So are you are you saying? I'm by, agreeing with you. Oh, okay. I'm agreeing yeah. that that needs to happen, for, especially for grad students. Right. That, to be able that, to, I mean, that's to see. Fucking frustrating. It but is they, fucking it, frustrating. It, it, but at the same time. Ooh, we like, just got our E for the episode. Oh, I think we had that a while we ago. We achieved that a while ago. Um, that was on. That was on like beer two. <laughs> no, yeah, I, 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 but absolutely essential because uh, one of the parts of of <laughs> I have a few students who will recognize this next t- technique that I use. Um, I'm constantly asking questions a lot like you, the Socratic method, right? Mm-hmm. And one of them came in one week and said, you know, I started asking myself the questions that you ask in lessons, but I heard it in your voice in my head. <laughs> and I was like, good. Oh, now in about three weeks, I hope that's your own that's voice. That's your own voice, exactly. <laughs> but, I don't know. I, I think I still have that like with Shihui Chen. Yeah, no. Like, I, think- I still hear her saying, eh, you go think about that. Did you think about that? Yeah, you go think about that yeah. again. Uh, no, they're, they're, and, and that when they achieve that level of, I, I did this on my own. I asked no. myself this before I got to you. Uh-huh. We're, we're ready for the next step. Yes. That's when I talk to them about my teaching philosophy, which I do not have a doctorate. So my teaching philosophy is very, very simple and not a paragraph of fancy. My teaching philosophy. Sh- I see you staring me down. My teaching <laughs> philosophy is that my goal is that they don't need me anymore. That, absolutely. Yeah. That, that is part of mine as well. Yeah. I mean, that might be my only, <laughs> like you don't need a doctorate to, to just say that. But, but honestly, that. No, I'm saying that mine is, mine is very simple because I don't have a doctorate. Okay. I think, I think we need to meet, she's saying we need to be more verbose for tenure. I think that's oh, what she's okay. Saying. Got it. Tenure. You need to be more ver- ver- verbose. <laughs> Retake. To get the job, that's true. <laughs> to get the job, your teaching philosophy is for all your applications. It's, it's very, not. It's not necessarily for the tenure. That's true. Line. Although, although it does come, it is part of your dossier. I'm sure it very, is. Like, as, but I don't have one of those, and I will never have a need for it. So mine is a really short sentence. Your my job is to make sure you don't need me anymore. That applies to oral yeah. skills and music theory. I mean, and, and composition and lessons. Teaching. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, I've I've said that in so many classes. Yeah. So many classes, so many lessons is like my goal. My goal is exactly that. Yeah. So you don't need me anymore. Yeah. You're either ready for the next person. I was trying to put it in my own words, but yours were perfect. Oh, thanks. Mm. Yeah. You're either ready. There's Kermit's back. (laughs) (laughs) You're either ready for your next teacher who will push you even further. Right. Or you're ready to go out in the world and do your thing. Well, I mean, I. In in that like the ninety five percent, you know, you yeah. you you need to find that last. And I I talked to this particular student. He was like, "Yeah, we were on ninety five percent for weeks." And I was like, "Well, right, because you kept you just weren't moving that needle." Well, no, you would fix one five percent and ruin another. <laughs> Whoa, oh, wait, wow. wait, wait! That's that's a I didn't say that. But, you know, but Speaking but that was memorable the point. moments like, in pedagogy. Yeah. <laughs> But like, but you you quote unquote fix this, and then that throws the rest of it yeah. off balance. Can, and, but you know, man, cascade that failure. That's what we call right, it. Isn't that such a perfect? Uh, isn't that such a perfect experience for for uh, getting young composers to understand that it's it's like the game of Go, right? Like as soon as you place a, it, the possibilities are endless. Well, okay, not go because obviously there's a finite number of ways you can place it. Anyway, point. there's, the there's, point. A, there's a lot of possibilities at right. the outset of the game. Yeah. It's the opposite of chess. If you want to win a game of chess, there's actually like the beginning is pretty predictable, mm-hmm. and the end is 
pretty predictable. The middle is where the variation is. Right. But in Go, it's like the the board is yours. You can place that stone anywhere. But as soon as you place that first stone, that has implications for what your opponent needs to do to counter you. Right. Yeah. As soon as you put that first note on the page, that has implications for what's to follow. Right. And, and so, so getting that understanding of, well, yeah, you fixed this thing, but you fixed it in a way that now creates this other, there's always a pro and con. There's always uh, uh, an action that equals a reaction, mm-hmm. right? And so as soon as you adjust something, you need to be prepared to understand how that adjustment affects not just the thing that was wrong, but affects now everything around it. Yeah. And there's also that idea that they really need to get that is, you know, just like the poetry book that we've quoted several times. Just go ahead um, and sneeze, Kate. It's fine. Come on, come on. Oh, you know what I do? I, I always say bless you before they sneeze, and then they stare at you because they can't now do it, and it's stuck there somewhere. somewhere it's stuck. And when he says they, he means me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but uh, the idea that uh, I can't remember the name of the author, but he said poems are never finished, they're abandoned. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Pieces are never finished. Um, I'm going to look it up. I'm um, going to look it up. I have 20% battery on my phone. <laughs> uh, are we was, all looking it what up? What is the name of the ra- book? It's Rob, the are art you of- racing me? <laughs> yes. Is it the art of poetry? Paul or Valerie? Uh, no, yeah, it's Valerie. Yeah, okay. Okay. All right. So no, it's... The yeah. same thing is true about pieces. They're never perfect. They're never completely the way you wanted them or the way you had them in your head when you started. So they're they're never done. You just release them into the universe yeah, and they you, start doing their own thing. You stop working on them because let's be honest, we're going to, every time you hear a piece that you finish, you quote unquote finished, right? You always listen to it and you go, yeah, I should have done, I should have yeah. done that. <laughs> or, or holy crap, I shouldn't have done that, right? Um, you're <laughs> You are not the same person from day to day. As soon as you are in a different listening uh, listening space, you're going to hear something you want to change. That's the nature of being a creative artist. Now, the question is whether or not that you have the impulse to continue to change that piece. Are you Pierre Boulez or are you... Exactly. I don't have another... <laughs> the opposite, but... <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's awesome. <laughs> it's just... No, are you... Pierre Boulez or not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is just where it ends. Well, I, wait, 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 wait. Uh, sorry. I know you're, you're are you going to comment on that before? No. Or, oh, because you said, <laughs> you said, we still have one beer to go. Uh, yeah, we do. You, well, you, it's not beer. It's hard cider. Yeah. Um, What's the, going on? The, um, you had said, you had said you wouldn't try this with undergraduates. Yes. Why not? Because. <laughs> when I, I no, I'm curious. Because for one thing, I want the undergrads to to work on more. To, I I want them to work on more things. So I don't okay. want them to yeah. get stuck on okay. something. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Like for the graduate student, this particular thing, I and I think it was because of this particular piece he was writing. It was. The most impressive eight-channel fixed media piece mm. I had ever heard from a student, hmm. and I wanted him to push it to Just get it. Like yeah. I didn't want it to kind Don't of settle. Don't yeah. yeah. Okay. I didn't want it to Don't settle. Pull Just, huh? mm. Don't pull your punches. Don't pull your punches. See, you're yeah, being exactly. aggressive yeah. again. You're so aggressive. I love it. 
but it's a, it's a common impulse for for undergraduate students especially but to never reach a really powerful climax in a piece yeah. or yeah. a phrase right. is that they get to the point where they're, they're they're teasing us the audience and then they stop right and if you never push that far on the piece then you aren't going to figure out what it's capable of yeah you have to. And pulling the punches is a phrase I really just learned the full extent of this summer, so I've been using it a lot. <laughs> I've said it my entire life. I had no idea what it meant. And then I was like, oh, yeah, you don't follow through on your punch. I'm just yeah. going <laughs> to. <laughs> but, but, but I think that was, the, that was the main thing. And actually, I think on his, on his last lesson of the, of the semester, I kind of was like, you know, <sighs> I mean, I hate to tell you this, but like, seriously, you could you could still go further on this. Like, I know we don't have a lesson left, and this is due, you know, in another week for the end of the semester. But I, I really like it's just not there yet. You were that guy. I, I am, and uh, <laughs> and I could tell he was kind of defeated in oh, a way. Oh no! <laughs> and and I just turned to him and was like, you know what? I've said no to you a lot this semester, haven't I? He was like, mm. yeah, yeah, you really have. He was like. I said, you get why, right? Hmm. Hmm. And he, and he, it's the big reveal. <laughs> the big reveal. <laughs> well, I just told him what I already said. So yeah, it's, it's exactly. a little anticlimactic. Well, but, I know, yeah. but, but basically, but I told him like, look, you have something here. Mm-hmm. Like you can't let this go. This is great. And subsequently it has done pretty well for him nice you know so he's had some success with it nice and and that's been very i mean obviously it's been great for him it's been very gratifying for me to know that that amount of like pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing can get you can get some students there Mm -hmm. this this particular student i i felt like i could push Mm mm-hmm there are others where I feel like, no, I really can't. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just not going to react to it the same way. Yeah. So it's it's well, it's and- really an individual thing about knowing that particular student. Yeah. Actually, there were a couple of students in that particular semester who I like really, you know, like you can go further. You can go further. Come on, come on. Let's, you know, like mm-hmm. it's kind of like being it's kind of like being a trainer or something. Like just mm-hmm. you know, five more. Yeah. You can do this. Just five more. Yeah. So. More counterpoint. Yeah. <laughs> and we are at the last beer. All right, sorry, cider. This is Smith and Forge hard cider made strong in the fine traditions of making things strong. Did we get sponsors for this? I really, I, I really, really wish we did. Right? I know. <laughs> anyway, why we just insulted half of them? <laughs> Wait, is there something in there? Did I not write some up? It's perfect. Yeah, they're it's, all they're all so good. It's just a little bit of water. It's so good. It's uh, Rob. It's cider. You're not gonna like it anyway. <laughs> I know I'm not gonna like it. <laughs> just... Brilliant. I already. I thank you. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not picky. <laughs> <laughs> Rob's like not picky. That's like the understatement of the year. With the... <laughs> oh, this is this is alcohol. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Oh, Cheers. man, that has a good smell to it. Really? It's made strong? It doesn't taste like it. Oh, oh sorry. You, yeah, you, I, th- I think your wife actually wanted to, like apple to, juice. Drink, to drink some. It does. I mean, this is just apple juice. I mm-hmm. could I could live with this. 
I've had a stronger pear cider than this, and that's really saying something. Yeah, this doesn't taste like anything. I mean, oh. it tastes like oh, it decent tastes like, apple juice. Oh, decent apple juice. I am adult apple juice. That is, <laughs> <laughs> I am good with that. Oh, sad. <laughs> well. Well. Should we wrap this up? Uh, probably. He's just going to keep talking if you don't. That's a true story. Wait, which one are you talking about, me it's, or him? Well, I was talking yes. to you, Rob, so I am talking about him being Andrew. You could have been looking at me and just talking to yourself. That wasn't the thunder. That was me. <laughs> All right. You were talking about him. I get it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well, uh, <laughs> final thoughts either on the on the drinking or the teaching. Um, the the thought on the drinking. Uh, this was an excellent idea. Okay. I, I like this. Uh, you you came with multiple modes of assessment uh-huh. and and a, a broad stylistic diverse palette thing. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, all of the ones you thought I would like, success. Okay. Epic epic success. All the other ones. <laughs> all the other ones I drank. <laughs> uh, with regard to the conversation, um, I think uh, God, we could talk like eighteen thousand more podcasts about about composition pedagogy, and maybe we should. Although not that exact number, Jamie. Yeah. Did I find anything that you enjoyed enough to maybe have again? The vanilla porter was good for a couple of sips. The bottom of it was delicious. Um, <laughs> that, yeah, that is no, now I think that was, that was the, that was right. the top of the list. Sorry, I am just, this was your challenge. and I failed. It's okay. It's no, no, okay. no. I you need know, to be pushed for You're at 95%. I'm at 95%. <laughs> That's all right. Liz Purse was convinced for months that she could get me to drink beer. And it was like her Fail. personal mission in grad yeah. school. And I am just. You're just not a beer person. No, but I like the grappa. I get it. Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, thanks for listening. If you're still listening. <laughs> this is a two hour podcast. <laughs> so about you and that's the way we're going to release it. I don't care. <laughs> Have fun. <laughs> Thanks for listening. As always, if you want to find out more about adjective new music or lexical tones, please go to our website, www.adjectivenewmusic.com.